Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Some things that are going on. Uh, first, our healing and the continued work that God's doing in our bodies and all those kinds of things. And for those that are still um, struggling, there are a few people struggling. Um, we want to make sure that we pray for them and continue to pray for them, that God will continue that healing and finish it off and we can celebrate uh, God's glory. It's amazing what God is doing. Also, um, we just want <clears throat> to let you know that uh, there are available to you these um, uh, invite cards. And so if you didn't already get a set of these, these fit in your wallet perfect. They're uh, Be My Guest cards, and we want you to use them. And uh, starting <clears throat> February 17th, or I'm sorry, uh, February 13th, um, we will be asking you to specifically pray on how to use these. And so that more information is coming, but it's an exciting um, experience that we're going to have praying uh, for 10 people uh, for 40 days. And we're going to see God do some amazing things in those 40 days as we get ready for Easter and experience some great things. So be sure you grab these. These are great tools um, that you can use as you uh, connect with people, be my guest, and invite them to become a part of Journey Church Ventura. Most importantly, be a part of the family of God. And that's what it's all about. Also, um, just remember today is Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, and if you're, yeah, Bucks. Anybody rooting for the Bucks? How about the Chiefs? All right. All right. I'm going for the Bucks just because I think Brady needs one more. I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. That's a weird thought all by itself. I know. We just divided the church. That's an awful thing to do. Um. We've been in this series called, Wait, What? Wait, What? And uh, it, it actually works better when you have just a tiny bit of a cough going on to go that, Wait, What? part, because it fits my voice right now. <clears throat> but the whole idea of the series has been to bolster our faith. I believe that the beginning of this year, what God wants for Journey Church Ventura and all of us to believe is that God, there's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing too hard for God. And uh, in just a little bit, I'll tell you why that had become more, even more significant. Once I found out that I tested positive for COVID and going through that whole experience and my whole family getting it and all those kinds of crazy things, um, <clears throat> what, a, what a crazy time to believe that there's nothing too hard for God. And um, especially with the news and all the kinds of things that you hear and all the things that are going on, it's been crazy. But nothing is too hard for God. Nothing. Everything is possible with God. We don't understand why God allows some things to happen and uh, does other, other things. Uh, he involves himself and doesn't let other things happen. But there, the truth is, if he can speak the worlds into existence, if he can calm the seas, split the seas, if he can um, heal the leper and all these kinds of things, there is nothing too hard for God. And we have to believe that. And here's what I really, really hope you believe is that when you hand someone a Be My Guest card, that you are believing that nothing is impossible for the person that you're handing it to. That you're believing that nothing is impossible for the heart that you are asking to invite them, not to, not to journey church, but to see Jesus and to meet Jesus. Because He is the irresistible part of our body. We aren't the irresistible part of our body. Jesus is. 
And the more we invite people to him and they experience him, the better off they're going to be. And they're going to experience eternal life. And so when we talk about nothing is too hard for God, <clears throat> that's what we want to believe. That's what the series is all about. And we want to continue to believe that with all of our hearts. And so that's the whole meaning of, wait, what? Wait, what? And you're going to hear another story today of a, a wait, what experience. The tension is this, is that God, God isn't quite always doing ex what we expect him to do. All of us would prefer that God would intervene in any problem that we have and make it an easy one. Or that he would not let us get sick. Or that he would not let us be uncomfortable. Or that he would uh, provide every dollar and every penny that we wanted and wished for and hoped for. That God would do what we could not imagine uh, when, 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 it get, when life gets uncomfortable, he would take the discomfort away. And I think that's a tension in our world. It's a tension in our lives. It's a tension for our faith. Because when things aren't comfortable, when things are difficult, when, things, uh, when we aren't feeling well, when we get anxious and nervous, when we go through experiences where, we, where God isn't doing exactly what we expected him to do, that's when faith gets challenged, isn't it? That's when it, it gets kind of strange and it gets kind of weird and you're praying and you're going, God, I believe, I believe, I believe. You tell me if I believe. Lord, I agreed with two or three and we agreed that it would happen and it didn't happen. What is all that about? What, 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 do, what should we expect? And the bottom line is this, is that what we can expect from God is whatever God wants to do. That's not a cop-out. That's a reality. Because here's the ultimate reality. God thinks from an eternal perspective, not what you and I live in every day. He sees the forever, we see the now. And we see the hope for the future, and we know what's happened in the past, but we see the now. We see what we want now, what we want to experience now. And we, we go through this, and, and I'll tell you, when I... When I, when I I got, on, on January 13th, I, had, I felt a little tickle in my throat. On Thursday and Friday, so 13th was a Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, I started having this cough. And it was kind of just a, you know, just a, it's just a cough. It's just a cold. It's just this little thing going on. And then, on, uh, and of course, because of COVID, I'm like, huh, what's going on? So Saturday, we decided that we we're not going to have church uh, together like this, because if I have COVID... We don't want to do this. And so we went online. And Sunday afternoon, after, after the service, I went and got tested and then found out I was positive for COVID. And, and that scared me. I prayed. I said, God, you don't want me to have COVID. You don't want the pastor of the church to have COVID because it's going to limit. It, it's, it slows everything down. It, it messes things up. And, and you know, I, I'm not a good person getting sick. If I can't breathe, I panic. I get anxiety. I freak out. And I get nervous and anxious and all that kind of stuff. And, and that, all that stuff started to happen. <clears throat> and so I isolated into this little travel trailer we have in front of our house stayed away from our family, but it was too late. I had already spent three or four days with the family and, and sick, 
and not knowing that it was COVID and everybody in the house got it, but um, we didn't find that out till later on in the week. And the reality is, is that I kept praying and asking God to do what I thought he would do. And I said, God, I just want to be healed like miraculously. Just if you could just, just with your breath, just speak, Ricardo be healed and I would be healed and then I would scream it and yell it. And, and I told God this several times that, God, if you would just heal me miraculously, I would scream this out loud that you are my healer. And what he said is this, I'm going to heal you, but not your way. And here I stand. Here I stand. I didn't get healed right away. I went through the process and God gave me grace to go through the process. And I believe that he also limited the experience to uh, a minimum of pain as opposed to a maximum of pain. And he's done that for my entire family. And I praise God for that. I praise God that my entire family's healthy today. And I give God that credit. I give God that credit. I can't explain it all. I can't explain what, why it happened the way it did or what happened or why the prayers didn't go. Okay, boom, just a miracle happened. There's a couple other people in our church that have gone through this experience and had some kind of conversations with God. And they're like, what are you doing, God? And, and having to go through a very difficult process. And so I want to preach today, not, this, this was planned long ago, but I believe it's timely to preach the story of Lazarus. A story about two sisters and a brother, and then Jesus, and then a whole bunch of disciples, a whole bunch of doubters, and a whole bunch of other people that are, are, are watching and seeing what's going to go on, what's going to happen when Jesus gets involved. And I want, to, I want you to just encourage you to find yourself in this story. Who are you in this story? Are you Jesus, the one with faith and knows what's going on and is believing for this great thing? Are, are, you, the, are you Mary or Martha? Are you uh, Lazarus? <laughs> are you on your way out only to come back in? What's going on? Who are you in this story? So in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44, believe it or not, this is the story of Lazarus. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother, was, uh, her, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. That happened in John 12. This happened after uh, this story. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So what we know about Jesus and the relationship he has with Lazarus is that Lazarus Mary and Martha are, are friends of Jesus, and he loves them dearly. And then he goes on to say, and then he said, when he heard this, Jesus said, Sick, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Anything that Jesus does is for his glory. We need to know that. Anything that he does is for his glory. We should always give God credit. There was one time uh, when I was a, a young pastor, I sat next to this, this old man. His name was Earl Gray, kind of like the T, right? <clears throat> Earl Gray. And uh, 
I was sitting next to him. We were in this meeting of leaders, and he leans over to me. He's an old saint, man. He's just a pastor of pastors. He's been living this thing for a long time. And he leaned over, and he said, young man, what's your name? And I said, Ricardo. And he said, um, let me just tell you one thing that you should never forget. Never share God's glory. Never share God's glory. In other words, never take glory for yourself. Never, it all goes to God. It all goes to God. Everything that Jesus does, he should get credit for, not us. And I love that because it, it, it means that we should always exalt him. We should always lift him up. We should, always, we should never be absent of praise because Jesus, at the very least, has forgiven us of our sins and, 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 and uh, allowed us eternal life, and we should always give him praise. That's what he gets glory for, right? <clears throat> the, the passage goes on. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What? Wait, what? He stayed two more days? Why wouldn't you, if you love somebody, why wouldn't you just, hey, get over there, run over there, um, one, because it was probably uh, about, about 10 miles away um, is, an, is one of the reasons. But the other reason is that Jesus already knew what was going on. The theological reality is that God knows everything. Jesus knows everything. And so he knew what was going on. And we'll find out what he knew in just a moment. And he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So they, he, he got the news on one day stayed two more days, and then took another day, probably because it took a 10-mile walk to get to where uh, Judas was. I mean, I'm sorry, Lazarus, not Judas. Wrong guy. But doesn't, isn't it true that delay seems to tend to, to, to mean that God is being cruel? If, if we're being honest with our emotions, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling sick, I'm feeling... Like, I'm, I'm worried that I'm, I'm, I've got this COVID stuff. I've heard all kinds of these crazy stories. People that I'm talking to have, have already had it. And they're going, oh, man, I went through this. And I, my husband went through that. And, and, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go through any of that. And a delayed response from God just seems like, God, you're just making this go longer. You don't have, you can, just in your voice, you can say, you don't have to go anywhere. You can just say, be healed, and it happens. And that's an emotion that I think is real in our world today. It's real in our, our context. It's real for some of us that are, are going through difficult times and difficult things and difficult relationships, difficult uh, <clears throat> circumstances. And, but we have to be honest. But Jesus waited two days. Then he took another day to get there. Then the disciples said, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? And the disciples are not worried about God's glory. They're worried about God's, Jesus' life because they want to kill Jesus. And so why would we go back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daytime will not stumble, for they see by, the world, by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And Jesus is kind of scolding the disciples with this little story right here. He's just simply saying, you guys are walking in darkness, and you don't see what's really going on. Trust me. Trust me. It's funny when you, you know, when you say to your kids, trust me, they want to jump off of a, of a, of a, 
a ledge somewhere and they want to jump into your arms and they're all nervous and they don't want to jump and they're, and they're like, trust me, trust me. And then they jump and then you miss them. And uh, no, and then you catch them. And then you catch them. And then they, they're, they're, they're like more trusting to jump off that ledge every single time you catch them. You miss them, they'll never jump off that ledge again. Verse 11 goes on to say, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I am going to wake him up. This was Jesus' pastoral way of saying something hard, soft. Jesus had a pastoral heart, and he's trying to just encourage the disciples. He's only sleeping, and uh, we're going to go, and we're going to wake him up. And the disciples uh, were funny in their response, <clears throat> and they said, his, his disciples, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Why do we even need to go there if he's just sleeping? Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then, he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Jesus had to unsoften the pastoral message and just say, okay, he's not sleeping, he's dead. All right, just uh, here's the truth, here's the reality, here's what we need to face, he's dead. But, for that reason, I'm glad he's passed away. Jesus is saying this. I'm glad he's passed away so that you may believe in me. Again, what Jesus does is to bring glory or to shine himself so that it bolsters belief. It bolsters faith. It bolsters the, the willingness to say, okay, God knows and understands what, uh, what is, is happening. He knows what's going to happen and we can trust him. We can trust him. <clears throat> And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, also known as Doubting Thomas, says, uh, said to the rest of his disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And this is really a sarcastic statement that Thomas is making. He's like, all right, if Jesus wants to go up there and die, then let's all go up there and die. And that's what he's saying. Just basically, all right, guys, let's go. And we're going to go all get bumped off by the, um, by the religious rulers of Jerusalem. So let's just all go and get it over with. <clears throat> so then Jesus makes the trek, 10-mile trek, from where he was to Bethany. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So what, here's, here's the interesting part of this story. When Jesus heard the message that Lazarus was sick, Lazarus had already died. Really fascinating. Then he waits two days, then he travels another day, and so now day four. Okay, and in day four, in the burial circumstance here, it gets really smelly and stinky, decomposition sets in, all this kind of stuff is going on. Now, Bethany was less than two miles, away, two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. So, uh, I don't know if you remember or know the story about Mary and Martha. They, they are hanging out with Jesus one time. Martha's doing the dishes and cooking and all this kind of stuff. Mary is sitting at the foot of Jesus, and Martha gets upset because Mary's not helping. But Martha, uh, Jesus says that Mary is actually doing the right thing by giving Jesus all the attention because Jesus won't be there forever. And Martha is the one that's um, paying attention to other things other than Jesus. And so there's a lesson to be learned there that we need to just pay attention uh, to Jesus when Jesus is in the room. Amen? 
Amen. All right. And that, that's pretty much all the time. <clears throat> and so uh, the way I remember this is Martha is Martha Stewart. And um, because she's the one that takes care of all that, that's the way I remember who's, who is all concerned about the house. Okay? And so, <clears throat> so we have this, and, and Mary is this contemplative one. She's the feeling one. She's the emotional one. She's the one that's, that's uh, feeling all of this. And so in verse 21, Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Wow. So Martha has this like conflict going on in her heart. And I think many of us go through this at times when we're going through difficult times that aren't fixing right away, that aren't getting better, that, that when we're sick and we, we want to be better, but we're not better. And we pray and we pray in this healing, God heal in the name of Jesus. And we anoint with oil and we do all these things. And we believe without question, God is able, but he doesn't. And she says, if you had been here, how many times have we said that in our own hearts? To God, God, if you would have, if you could have, you would have, why didn't you? And, and it's okay to say those things. Jesus, God can handle our, our, our frustration, our doubt, our concern, all those kinds of things. He handled mine when we were, I was going through this COVID stuff and finding out that my family's got it now. And I'm like, oh God, please, no, take this away. This doesn't need to be in our home. And it was, it was all through our home. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She has this faith, but she has this, this frustration at the same time. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. <clears throat> that, that sounds like a really hopeful thing. And then she goes, well, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Everybody's going to rise again someday. And she knew that. She had been taught that. And there's a reality that everybody's going to go up someday. And she's going, yeah, of course, but not now. <clears throat> she believed for his sickness, but she didn't believe for his death. She didn't believe for the impossible but she believed for the possible or the likely that she could, he could heal him from his sickness, but he would never raise him from the dead. That would be ridiculous. That would be a, wait, what? How would that happen? <clears throat> and so in verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. The whoev- and whoever b- lives b- believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is one of those I am statements. If you've ever studied the book of John, there's seven I am statements that identify Jesus as who he is. I love this because I think it's so powerful that Jesus knew exactly who he was. Wouldn't that be great to know exactly who we are? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 59 and I'm still going, hmm, wonder what I'm going to be when I grow up someday. You know, I know I'm going to be a pastor. I know that. But what am I going to be when I grow up? What's, what, what's my real thing? What's, my, what's, what's the big influence? What's the big impact I'm going to have on this world? All those kinds of questions. Jesus knew without question. He said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the gate. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the true vineyard. He knew exactly who he was. And the powerful things about these I am statements is they were all the path to salvation. He knew he was the answer to the world. He knew he was the deliverer to the world. And he knew he was the hope of the world. And those I am statements are powerful. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, uh, Martha, I've got this. <clears throat> I've got this. I, I have the power to raise 
people from the dead. And she says, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into this world. She calls him three names, the Lord, Messiah, and Son of God. She identifies him as the divine being who will give her hope. That's our hope today. Is he your Lord? Is he your Messiah, your Savior? Is he your uh, Son of God? Is he the divine one in your life, the almighty God? Is he that person in your life? I teach people in, our, in, our, in a university class I teach that if we believe these theological truths about God, then why aren't we living them out? If we say he's Lord, leader of my life, why am I not following him? If we say he's the Messiah, the Savior of my life, why am I worried about the world saving me? Or the government saving me? Or the, or the, the next stimulus package saving me? Why am, I, why am I depending on those things when I have the Savior of the world, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the, the, the one who spoke and the worlds came into existence and the stars went into place? And how can we not trust that kind of God? Martha seemed to shift a gear right there into, from frustration and, and questioning to absolute confidence and belief. In verse 28, it says, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had, had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, uh, When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb uh, to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So there's there's again that tension, that faith, but that faith that goes away when it comes to the ultimate of raising him from the dead. Belief and despair is in conflict, isn't it? I don't know about your experiences when you, when you go through difficult times, but there's that belief, yeah, God's in, God is God, God is God, but why am I still in this problem? Why am I still experiencing this challenge? That belief and the despair. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping <clears throat> and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in, sp- in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come see, come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Most people know this is the shortest verse in the Bible, and it certainly is. But it's one of the most powerful passages in the sense that Jesus is not just showing his humanity, but his frustration. His frustration with a world that can't see past the, the physical and can't see to the, to the spiritual and to the, the eternal and to the, the purpose that for which he lives. <clears throat> then Jesus, then the Jews said, see how he loved him? And they identified his tears as love. But he would have this, this, these tears simply because he's frustrated. He's frustrated that there's such sorrow when there's so much hope standing in front of them. Remember when he was in the boat and he was sleeping in the boat with his disciples and the disciples were all freaking out because the storm was going to overcome the boat, but Jesus was in the boat and they wake him up and say, don't you care that we're going to drown? And he says, oh, you have little faith. He says, you got the, the maker of the universe in the boat. What are you worried about? And I think Jesus gets 
frustrated. And I know he was frustrated with me when I was going through this COVID experience and going, oh God, I just want to be well. I just, I don't want my family to experience this, all these kinds of things. And I'm sure he's like going, do you realize that I've got this? That I've got this and then I've got you. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? There's still doubters. There's still people frustrated. And then Jesus goes to the next step. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Martha, Martha the one who cares about all the little details, uh, <clears throat> by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. She's concerned about the stink. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. And I, I, this is an amazing step. Then, so they took the stone away. I watched this video on this whole thing. It, it, it's a really cool video by the Bible Project. And the, the, the people rolling the stone away is like on, on the, in the video going, oh, that just stinks. It's awful. Oh, that's gross. And because there's decay. There's decomposition happening. It was a disgusting, it was a captured smell that all of a sudden rushed out as the, the stone was rolled away. <coughs> and so they, they, they smell this, this yuck. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Again, everything God does, everything Jesus does is to bolster our faith and to receive glory for what he's doing. Glory means shine. Glory means when we, when we want to sell a car, we shine it up, we wash it up, we make it look its best. That's the glory of that car. Glory, when, when God does this stuff, he does it for his glory. He wants us to experience the power and he wants to bolster our faith. And you guys, we, we need to have bolstered faith. Faith to know that when we pass this little card out or when we invite somebody to Jesus, God has the power to set that, that, that person free. God has the power to set that person's marriage in, in its right direction. God has the power to heal a physical body. God has any, he can do anything. Nothing is too hard for him. And that's really, really important to remember. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! I don't know if Lazarus was hard of hearing, if it was because of the distance that Lazarus was away, he was in heaven. Um, I don't know. <clears throat> the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. So imagine the picture. <laughs> kind of scooting out like this, you know. Because his feet are wrapped up, his hands are wrapped up, his face is covered. And he, he walks out. And this, this has got to be one of the most comical moments in all of, of the Bible. Just this crazy moment where this dead man, dead man walking. The walking dead. I mean, you know, there's a whole different series on that now. But <clears throat> the walking dead. <laughs> Excuse me. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I mean, I, I think I would have been rushing to him taking those grave clothes off, but I think also I would have been like, what? Wait, what? Wait, what just happened here? This guy was raised from the dead. Now, I don't know if the de de 
if the decomposition hung out, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if Lazarus was like, what, are you kidding me? You called me back to this? You know, I, I would have been a little bit ticked. I did CPR on a missionary one time. This was a famous missionary, led thousands to Christ in, uh, in Brazil. And uh, I did CPR on him when he had a heart attack at a banquet. And I brought him back. Now, I didn't talk to him, but I can imagine that he was pretty ticked off that I brought him back because um, <clears throat> I did everything I could uh, to compress his heart so that he could have life again. In the next verse, it says in verse 45, it says simply this, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Believed in him. The miracle part of what God does in our lives is first, just simply saves us. He takes all of our mistakes and takes them away. That's enough of a story to convince people that Jesus is alive and well. And all we have to do is tell that story. All we have to do is tell people <clears throat> that what happened in your life, what happened in my life, what happened in the lives of those around us is simply that Jesus has set us free. Will you be my guest? And will you come and experience what I've experienced that Jesus sets us free and gives us the forgiveness of our sins and sets us free? Will you believe? It takes faith on your part and my part to tell that story and let people know that there's hope, that they can experience the forgiveness of every mistake they've ever made in their lives. Now listen to this carefully. Getting to miracles is painful. This is a reality. Getting to the need for a miracle is not fun. Because if you need a miracle, that means you've got something that you can't control that you can't handle, that's bigger than you, that's more powerful than you, that you can't do on your own. And in all natural perspectives, it can't happen either. And the first of those, the miracle is the forgiveness of our sins. We can't, we can't earn our way up. We can't do enough good to get good enough to get into heaven without Jesus. And we need a miracle. And that's the first confession we need to make. And then the second confession is that if that miracle has happened for you, that's your story. Let's not minimize what has already happened in your life and my life to get us to the point where we confessed our sin and today we are delivered, set free, and whole and righteous before God because of the miracle of the cross. So... If, if we stop at that miracle alone, we have enough to convince this world that Jesus is alive and powerful. Amen? Amen? And then to believe beyond that, that God can do and is able to and is willing to do miracles today. I, I wouldn't put anything past God. I believe that I'm a miracle today. I believe that I'm a miracle time and time and time again. I believe that all my angels are tired of trying to keep me alive and keep me going and all that kind of stuff. But today, I'm simply a miracle walking because of what God's done in my life. And I have story after story that I could give God the glory, including this last COVID experience. God is there. And God is, has brought us through it. And I praise Him for it. Getting to miracles is not fun. 
Getting to that point of experiencing or needing a miracle is not fun, but God is able. He's able to do above and beyond what we could ever ask or think. They build belief. Miracles build belief. They shake up the comfortable. They offend the critic. And they create a salvation moment. If you read through the book of Acts and you see each miracle in the book of Acts, you'll see that each miracle produced salvation. Because why? Because God got the glory and God became the the point of belief and faith was put in God and salvation was the result. That's how revivals happen. That's how people begin. That's how the, ro- the, the, the snowball effect takes place when people start telling their story and, and other people start believing. And then all of a sudden, growth happens and, and people get saved and saved and saved and saved and saved. And it's powerful. It's amazing. So let me ask this question. Who are you? And Anthony, if you want to get ready. Who are you in this story? Who are you in, this, in, the, in the context of this story? Are you, are, you the, are you Mary and Martha, the believing but disappointed sister of Lazarus? Are you Lazarus? Are you going through something right now that you're just, you, you're, you're, you're going to die? Maybe not physically, but maybe emotionally or spiritually or, or, or uh, something else that's going, relationally you're going through it and you don't know how to see the, the way out. And, you know, it was, it was sad that Lazarus died. And it almost seems cruel that he went through a difficult time. Are you the disciples? You're more concerned about protecting Jesus than his glory. Are you Jesus? I hope you're Jesus. And, and not, not in the literal sense, but that you're believing and wanting to see people saved. You're wanting and believing to see people's belief about Jesus. Are you the final believers? That because you, you've seen a miracle, you know a miracle Today, you believe in God. Anthony's going to sing a song called Same Power by Jeremy Camp. And this, this song is powerful. It's not in your bulletin. We didn't provide you the words because we just want you to listen. If you're online, just listen and embrace this song as a message of hope as he sings this song. You ready? Almost? No, I am. All right, good. Good. <clears throat> listen to Same Power. And it's a powerful, powerful song.
prevail We stand here in victory That power is present. That power is available. That power is in us. Not to be contained, not to be canned up and saved up, but to be exercised and to be lived out. And the way we live that out is by sharing our story, by sharing God's love, by praying for others, by, by letting people know that God is alive, that God is, it, it wants to do something in their lives. If you're online right now, in your home, next door, there may be an opportunity to see something happen that is beyond your imagination. Take a step next door, find out a need, meet a need. Do whatever it takes to present Jesus to people. And then what Jesus does is do this crazy, wait, what stuff. And he lives in us and he wants to do great things in us. And I want to pray with you right now. And I want to pray this commissioning. This commissioning of your, your life, your heart, your actions, your, your deeds, everything you do will begin to reflect the glory of God. And then we are going to see people come to Jesus because of it. And I believe that's a great, great calling that God is doing right now. Lord, I pray for every person that is watching, that is here at present, that in the name of Jesus, you would raise up the faith that it takes to believe that you can do anything, that nothing is too hard for you. I pray that you would raise up the energy and, and confidence and boldness to let people know that, that, Lord, you have made a difference in my life. You have worked a miracle of salvation. You have worked other miracles in many ways. And Lord, may we shine your glory wherever we go and whatever we do, and whenever we say that your name would be glorified, that your name would be exalted, and that the result would be people falling at their feet, believing in you, and trusting you for their eternal destiny. I thank you and I praise you for that. Maybe you're here today, either on site or online, and you don't know Jesus, but today you realize 
that Jesus died for you. Jesus has done everything he can to give you hope and life. And right now, all he wants you to do is say, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you died on a cross for me so that my sins could be forgiven. I believe that you rose from the dead so that my life could be promised eternal life. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. And if you're here today, will you just pray that prayer with me? Pray this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept the work that you've done on the cross to forgive me of my sin. And now I ask you for your forgiveness and I accept it in Jesus' name. I believe that you were raised from the dead and that today I am promised eternal life. If I should take my last breath today, today I would enter into eternal life with you. And I commit to follow you with my whole heart and my whole life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.